Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Hebrews chapter 2. And before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for this wonderful day, for taking care of us and for loving us and never giving up on us. Thank you for your son, for your salvation and your grace. It's all unearned, that's for sure. And Lord, I just pray today as we go through Hebrews, I just pray you would open my heart, open our minds and spirits, and just help us to really understand what it is we need to take out of this. Speak to our hearts and our spirits and our souls, Lord, I pray. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So chapter two, there's a lot of technical things that can be said. I've been reading various commentaries. One of them, which is the ESV, which tends to be very academic, really talked about how chapter or verses one through four are really laying out a hierarchy and how Jesus is, you know, above the angels and that over the over the you know ages the angels gave warnings to the hebrews and people in general and people needed to really heed those otherwise there would be you know consequences punishment then that and as the the i don't know magnificence of the messenger increased the penalty for not listening increases too to the point where chapter you know verse 4 really talks about that hey this is god's son this is god giving you this opportunity for salvation you really better listen to it cuz the consequences are eternal damnation and the, so the, the it really t- it talks about the the steps of and the impact of the consequences so that's one thing that I was thinking about sharing and going through and, and reading. But then I read something from Charles Spurgeon. And it really hit home. And it was the very last verse. It was verse 18. And in that verse, it says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You see, I've always thought of Jesus needing to come to earth and suffering in our place because in being the permanent and that perfect salvation or that perfect sacrifice. But I didn't always think of him and understand the high priest element to it. And that the high priest really has to be able to understand us as people. And that is what struck home. So after we read through these 18 verses, we're going to I'm going to share with you some of what Charles Spurgeon wrote back in the um, 1860 some odd. Yeah, I believe it was 1864. So anyways, let's go ahead and start with verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, 
which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So if this, if the angel's message is significant and the consequences of not heeding it are significant, only imagine what they would be if you don't listen and because it's coming directly from God. Verse 5. It is not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come, but which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect, through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Verse 12, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So Jesus had to, if he's going to be our high priest, he has to understand what we're going through. So he came down in the form of man, and as those, all those messages, those commercials on TV have been saying over the last six months, Jesus gets us. And Charles Spurgeon writes, We are told by the apostle that one special requisite in a high priest was that he have compassion upon men. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts, and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? You see, God did not choose angels to be made high priest because, however benevolent they might be in their wishes, they could not be sympathetic. 
They could not understand the peculiar needs and trials of the men with whom they had to deal. Ministers who of God are made to be a flame of fire could scarcely com- commune familiar- famil- familiarly <laughs> sorry, with those who confess themselves to be as dust and ashes. But the high priest was one of them, one of themselves. However dignified his office, he was still a man. He was one of whom we read that he could lose his wife, that he could lose his sons. He had to eat and to drink, to be sick and to suffer just as the rest of us did. And all this was necessary that he might be able to enter into their feelings and represent those feelings before God, and that he might, when speaking to them, for God, not speak as a superior looking down upon them, but as one who sat by their side, a brother born for adversity, bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. Now, this is peculiarly so in the case of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is sympathetic above all. There is none so tender as he. He has learnt it by his sufferings, but he proves it by his continual condescension towards his suffering people. My brothers, we preach the gospel. You that teach it in the Sunday school, you will always find your greatest power to lie in love. There is more eloquence in love than in all the world, words that the most clever rhetor- rhetorician, sorry, a person who speaks rhetorically, can ever put together. We win upon men not so much by poetry and by artistic wording of sentences as by the pounding of a heart's love that makes them feel that we would save them, that we would bless them, that we would become, be, that we would, because we belong to them, regard them as brethren and play a brother's part and lay ourselves out to benefit them. So Spurgeon really goes into that you can't understand. The high priest has to be one of us. He has to understand us to represent us before God. He has to have suffered. He has to have children that could die, could go hungry, whatever it might be. He has to understand us and get us. Therefore, Jesus gets us. He came down to earth. He became a man. He didn't just walk amongst us as a God, as God, you know, all powerful. He was born. He was sick. He was hungry. He experienced life as a human. So Jesus gets us. And as a result, he can represent us as our high high priest amongst and before God. And the way we should really represent ourselves amongst him, to him and amongst others is with love. Because again, we're told to love God with all our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Not to think about how we can share so many words and make them sound so good, but to really just show people love because that's what Jesus did. He loved right up to the day he was arrested. He was loving his people. He was talking to the multitudes. He was comforting his disciples. He was opening their eyes and their ears and preparing them for what was to come. He loved us up to the moment that he was 
crucified. And then he loved us when he came back. All of it was for love. Jesus gets us even when we don't want him to. He understands us even when we're failing. That's when he understands us most of all. When we're tempted, he understands us. And I thank God for that every day. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for becoming a man. Not being some abstract God like in the Greeks, the Zeus who just throws things around and is all powerful. You came down, you were weak just like me. But you didn't sin. You understood what it was like to be tempted and what to not to give into. So, Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you for your understanding and the fact that you get us. And as my high priest, as my brother, I thank you for representing me before God. And I just pray that as we go about our days, we would love as you love. That we would see others as you see them. So that we can truly be the light that you want us to be. I lift up my family. I lift up my friends. I just pray you protect them. That your Holy Spirit would speak to them. Your angels would be about them and keep them safe. I pray for our nation that is so lost lost and at a crossroads, Lord. I just pray for our leadership, our president, who seems to be not all there, who seems to be confused. And I just pray that those around him would understand what really needs to be done. I pray that Satan would be bound and moved away from him and all those leaders. That his demons would be bound in the name of Jesus Christ and be bound away from him. And that the leaders would see what they need to do. I pray for strength for our nation and our leadership. I pray for that strength to come from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.